This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Hello and welcome to Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love. I'm Carmen Pate, your host for this podcast. How do we prepare our life now in anticipation of standing at the judgment seat of Christ when we die. Since there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, what will it mean to suffer loss or shame as we give account of our lives lived on earth? Well, Dr. Joe Wall is back with us today to help us glean from scriptures the answers that we need. Dr. Wall is professor of systematic theology here at Grace and coordinates the training of Grace School with the work of his mission, East-West Ministries. Dr. Wall has pastored several churches throughout Texas. In addition, he served as the academic dean of Dallas Bible College, as president of Colorado Christian University, and as executive vice president of Field Ministries and vice president of training with East-West Ministries. Dr. Wall is the author of Going for the Gold, Reward or Loss at the Judgment of Believers, our subject matter in the next three weeks. Welcome back, Dr. Wall. Well, it's good to be back. Well, enjoy this visit. It's uh, uh, delightful to hear you interact on this subject. You act, actually sound like you've read the book. I have read your book. <laughs> I've actually gone through your course from the Grace of God yeah. course on rewards. And I know I'm excited about good. the content of both and, and so glad you could be here to go through this uh, with our listeners. You know, last week we began our discussion on the judgment seat of Christ where believers will stand before the Lord and give account of their lives. You clarified that this is not an entrance to heaven exam. Uh, We receive the gift of eternal life when we trusted Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. But rather, this is an accounting uh, to determine reward or loss. Uh, You shared that our works become clear. Everything will be declared. The value of those works revealed. You know, Dr. Wall, there are some who would say that to have a motive for rewards is wrong, that we should not be motivated by the idea that, well, I'm going to get rewards when I get to heaven. That's the reason I'm serving. You know, all of us have motivations for rewards in life. And sometimes we consider them bad motives for rewards and good motives for rewards. So just having a motive for a reward is not necessarily bad. If I'm on a football team Mm -hmm. and and I really want the team to win and I want to do the very best I can, or I'm on a track team, I want to win my race so that our team wins and I, I I get a reward so that my parents say, my, what a great job you did. Uh, if I, if I want to please my parents, if I want to please the coach, uh, that's not a bad motive, I don't think. Uh, and, and looking for rewards tied with that kind of motive is, can be healthy. Yes. But we can get balled up in the rewards in a sense that we try to put down other people and put our, try to push ourselves into some great place of honor or a big job. So hopefully the Lord will reward me greatly both here and in the future. And our motives are, are mixed up in the, in the sense of trying to put somebody else down, trying to hurt somebody else. In other words, reward motive by itself is not necessarily good or bad, mm-hmm. but it can have within it bad elements or good elements. And if your element is you, you love Jesus and you're looking forward to seeing him and you just thrilled with the idea of him is saying, well done, 
good and faithful servant, I don't consider that a bad motive. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if my thought is I've, t- I've turned this thing into something, I'm going to build this giant church and this great ministry and everybody's going to think I'm wonderful because then I know Jesus will be proud of me. Mm-hmm. Somehow or another, we get the motives all mixed together with mm-hmm. some unhealthy stuff. I see. Yeah. So it just seems to me just the whole idea of rewards is not necessarily in itself bad. Uh, it, 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 can, it can have bad portions in it. If it's done in a fashion that ultimately wants to honor Christ, it's out of love, that's a good motive. Yes, yes. And for me, that's, that's the dominating factor for me. I want Jesus yes. to say, well done. Absolutely. And knowing we can't do anything on our own anyway, he has to empower us. So he truly, in the end, gets the glory, doesn't he? Well, absolutely. Yes. Yes. You, yes. you caught it. You got the thing you read the book. You got it straight. <laughs> I got it straight. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about these these rewards again. You know, you made reference in our, our first program on this topic, but there are uh, principles that Christ will use to make these judgments. And you say the scriptures are full of them. Let's talk about that a moment, the principles that Christ will use. Well, one of the principles is he's going to judge not only our actions, he'll judge our motives as well. I remember when I wrote this book originally, the original version of it, I'd gone through a real difficult two or three years trying to merge two colleges together. And I was attacked in the newspapers. I, I was too liberal. I was too conservative. I had all kinds of problems. And I remember one of the men on the staff uh, was a little bit upset with me about some things because of the policies. And I had to bring, give people different jobs to do, trying to bring these schools together. And I remember he read my book. And he came to me and he said, I understand now. Mm. And what he understood was that I was driven by different motives than what he he was accusing me of. He understood that I had a a motive. This is what the Lord led me to do. I need to carry out this this process. And that struck me that basically at the judgment seat of Christ, things that nobody's known about, they don't really know the motives. He's going to make them clear then. So the motives will be judged. We've got some bad motives and we have good motives. And it's a, it's a, a process where we've got to keep growing spiritually. We've got to keep learning about how Jesus wants us to walk. So to me, one of the major principles is that he's going to judge not only what we do, but why we do what we do. Yes, yes. And he's going to judge our thinking. Uh, if, if we, Jesus makes a big deal out of this. It's not a matter of murder. It's a matter of hate. Mm-hmm. What's, what's going, on, going on in your heart? That's going to come clean, come clear sometime. Absolutely. If not, then everything Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount becomes fairly irrelevant mm. because he keeps saying that they have eternal repercussions. Yes, yes. So that's yes. a principle, again, that motives to, yes. are cre- the attitude of the heart. That's another yes. basic principle. And another principle is how do we invest our lives? We've got so much. Uh, God's given to us uh, our physical uh, abilities. Mm-hmm. He's given to us physical life and physical capabilities. Some people are born with no arms. Some people, all, a lot of us got arms. Some people are born blind. A lot of us have eyes. Some people are deaf, but I've got a bunch of those. I'm, I'm responsible for my hands and for my eyes and for, for my ears and for my body and the breath, I, every breath I take, he's a gift. So I've got that. He's going to say, okay, you're responsible to invest it pretty well. Then he's giving me uh, personal physical capabilities. He's given me gifts, natural gifts, 
of things that I can do well, others I can't do well. And then he's also given me spiritual gifts on top of that. And he says, okay, you invest it. You put it somewhere where it can produce something. Mm -hmm. This is why I've been so captured by the whole church planting movement trainers around the world that uh, I have the, the joy and privilege of working with in many places. And what they're, what they're saying is plan your ministry so it multiplies. Yeah. It, 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 people may never know what happened, what caused it all, but you get it going. You multiply. If you can reach somebody who trusts Christ and then you take the time to disciple them. Mm-hmm. So they win someone to Christ. If you have if a pastor of a church, if you take time to plant another church, you're going to multiply. You can grow a big church and you get a lot of honor now. And God can use big churches. I think big churches are great. But if you can plant a church that plants a church that plants a church, you can multiply. You can reach far more people. Then yes. nobody will know you did it. And so you're, you're getting Jesus. a return on your investment and God gets a return on his investment right. in you, right? Yeah, well, it's a beautiful picture, and and certainly, and you know, our flesh always wants to get in on the work because the flesh wants the credit. So, so would one of the principles also be uh, how we did the work? Was it in the power of God of, of allowing Jesus to work through us, yeah. or are trying to do everything in our own strength? Yeah, it's, it's whether it, he works through us or whether. Uh, in some cases, he works in spite of us. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, absolutely. He probably has to do that a lot, doesn't he? A whole lot he? of the time, he works in spite of us. Uh, but it, but it, it, the, the, the principle that is applied, when is the Holy Spirit at work in you? Mm-hmm. And are you, you following him? Uh, one of the things that I've been struggling with with discipling young men is trying to figure a way to simplify what it means to be a disciple. If I can boil it down to three words, I can... I finally came up with my three words. I've been collecting information, interviewing people, reading all the scriptures they recommend. And so I met with my discipleship group in the last few weeks, and I thought, look, I've got it down to three words. Uh, Number one, are you fellowshipping with Jesus? Mm -hmm. Have you opened God's word today? Have you been praying and saying, and and just loving on him and letting him love on you? Mm -hmm. Number two. And then I know you're you know, feeding on God's word and let it apply to your life. What, yeah. what, what is Jesus saying to me today? Second is, are you following me? Throughout the day, he says that Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. So have you picked up your cross today and said, whatever you tell me to do, wherever you want me to go, whoever you want me to talk to, I, I'm going to do it. If you leave me to do that. And the third thing is, are you fishing? Mm. Are you fishing for men? And I think what God wants us to do is to make our lives count. As disciples of Jesus Christ, the spirit of God works in us when we're good disciples. We fellowship with Jesus Mm -hmm. when we're following him. That's obedience by faith. And when we obey him to look for divine appointments. And and I keep telling my guys, witnessing is, is a stage, is a piece of leading a person to Christ. And you may only get the witness in now. You may not have the privilege of seeing the harvest, but you can plant seeds. Every day you can plant a seed. Just, just by hugging on somebody, just by, <laughs> just by uh, praying for somebody, mm-hmm. just by being delightful to, uh, and and uh, uh, and encouraging to somebody. And but, God sees that seed we planted. It, yes, like you say, it's not yes, He's he waiting does. for that person to receive Him. It's like, no, you planted a seed. You told Him about me. Right. Uh-huh. I just in my devotions, I just read through John four. And I'm sitting there reading this passage, and I'm thinking, what in the world is this John talking about when he says, Jesus said that uh, you need to understand that there are many who plant the seeds, mm-hmm. and there are others that harvest, 
And he's looking at a group of people he's told the disciples to harvest. They're a group of Samaritans. Uh, Jesus is witness to a woman at the well. She goes and tells her story. The crowd comes out. Jesus goes into the town, spends some time talking to them all. And a lot of them believe because of the woman. A lot of them believe because they've heard Jesus talk. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot of people. And then Jesus says, we're harvesting right now. He's told the disciples to do the harvesting. He said, many planted the seeds. And I'm thinking, I only know of one seed planter. That was the woman. The disciples weren't doing much seed planting, I don't think, at the time. Maybe they were in the city. Well, maybe that was John the Baptist. Maybe John the Baptist's disciples got up there earlier. Maybe the prophets. But I got to thinking, when I get to heaven, I want to find out who those seed planters <laughs> who were. Who planted the seeds? Because uh, Jesus made a big deal about seed yes, planters. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And I'm thankful that he did. Because sometimes <laughs> I feel like that's the only part that I play, is just planting a seed. And, and, and so it, yeah. I'm thankful to hear those stories. Well, we know that uh, you know, we are saved to produce the righteousness of Christ. Uh, and when we fail to do that, it's obvious. I mean, there have to be consequences when we fail him. Uh, you explain in your class on rewards from the Grace of God course that though we may certainly reap some of those consequences and the chastisement of the Lord here on earth, there will also be loss and shame at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, that is a solemn picture. Uh, could you give us kind of an idea of what that might look like? Because we hear about weeping and gnashing of teeth, and so many interpret that to mean, well, then that means he's going to just send, send you on, uh, you're not going to heaven. But we've already clarified we are going to heaven regardless. So talk about that loss and shame at the judgment seat of Christ. Well, as we talked about in the last podcast, the process for evaluating our ministries uh, for our, in our lives is that Jesus is going to lay everything open and then he's going to evaluate whether it's gold or silver or precious stones or wood or hay or, or stubble. And if it's worthless, it'll be burned up. It may look good, but if it's worthless, it'll be burned up. And the point of the illustration or the metaphor that Christ gives is that things in our lives, some of them have eternal value and some do not, and he's going to evaluate them. And then he says, if you show up with nothing, you'll still be saved. Remarkable insurance is there. But then he says, but he will suffer loss. So based on what Paul writes, I think at the judgment seat of Christ, there's got to be an awareness of loss. Mm -hmm. And the awareness of loss can produce, some suggest, and I, I'm not dogmatic about this, I don't know, but it seems to have some weight that some of the passages where Jesus in some of his parables talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth, he's talking about servants. Apparently these are believers. If they are, he's talking about weeping and gnashing of teeth is not uh, crying out in pain. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, you gnash your teeth, oh man, I blew it. Mm. It, it's a picture of a person Such that's lost threat. something. It's, mm -hmm. I've just made a mess of things. Well, how long are you going to feel that way? Mm. How, how, how long before the joys of eternal life and of heaven overwhelm that? Right. Uh, obviously, uh, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Some suggest it could last for the whole millennium. I don't know. But I do know this, that there, one thing I don't want to have is a life that's totally empty. I want something in it that's worthwhile. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm living on dangerous grounds. I wrote a book about it, so I'm more accountable than anybody else. <laughs> 
right. The Bible also says teachers are more accountable. Yes, I, I, I've got it on two counts. And so I, I've got <laughs> it's a pretty heavy burden on, on me thinking of every time I preach or talk on this thing, I say, oh, man, Lord, you're going to remind me I talked about this thing. I better take it seriously. Better take it seriously. That's right. But we need to we take it seriously. Yes. I, I feel like he's called me to do it. This is a burden he put on my heart. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I still need to do it. <laughs> But I, I, it gets it gets my attention, so I don't want I don't want my life to be be messed be a loss. The question is, what is a loss? Well, a loss is anything that's not done by the leadership of the Spirit of of God in, in obedience to Jesus Christ as Lord in our lives. So if I spend time with my grandkids at a football game, I think that's got eternal value. Yes, I agree. Uh, if I take my wife on a date and I go to a show with her and we spend the night and the evening together, we go to uh, dinner together, uh, that's got eternal value. Mm-hmm. We we, we got to make sure we don't pipe, put this into some kind of religious garb. It's got to be in, in true spiritual garb. What's really important to God? What he wants us to do is every day take up our cross and follow him. And we, we follow him doing what we, we believe he wants us to do in our lives. So that one of the things we need to do is, is rest. Mm-hmm. He told us we got to rest. Yes. He actually he put, rested. <laughs> it's important to rest. Yeah. It's important to take a, a, a time of relaxation. And you can do that in the power of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Th- that's not loss. What's loss is when we say that we run our lives the way we want to do it. And we do it all for our own sake for now. If it's all on just what's going to happen now, that's, that's what the loss is. Absolutely. Oh, and we, there would be great shame in that. And then the second part is shame. Mm-hmm. Yes. What about the sin? See, that, that's what bugs me is the other piece. What about the things that, man, I've got bad attitudes sometimes. I get angry at the wrong at the time when I shouldn't. I have an argument with my wife. I, get, I, I, I have lustful thoughts. I have uh, angry thoughts. I have hate. hate I, I, these things go through my head. Mm-hmm. How, how am I going to, I don't want those to show up. Mm-hmm. Well, he says they will. Except for the great promise. And the promise is, he says, if you'll confess your sins that I point out to you. When I, when I point out sin, you, you acknowledge it. Yes. And I'll not only forgive you, I'll do an extra special thing. I'll do cleansing. I won't cleanse you of that sin only. I will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Yes. I take it, if he's cleansed, it ain't going to show up. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's, that's right. a great blessing to me. I, yes. I can walk in purity. And that first John one nine, as you say, you know, we can as we confess, he cleanses from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. And and that is a promise to believers. Right. Uh that yes, so we can hang on to that. Oh, that's that's a great example. Well, you know, the apostle Paul writes in Second Timothy four eight there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which is which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the various rewards and crowns, etc. But I shared this verse because of the phrase uh, that that particular reward would go to those who love his appearing. Uh, it appears that there's going to be some that are not loving his appearing, not wanting to love his appearing. Is that due to that uh, expected shame that they will experience before Christ, you think? I I think it's probably that. You know, the context is, you know, Paul saying, I fought a good fight. He he says that he's about ready to be poured out as a drink offering. 
and two verses early, a drink offering would be put on a sacrifice that was offered in the, in the temple in, the, in Israel. And the sacrifice in this case would be Christ. He's nothing but a drink offering on top. He's about to die too. And he's going to die as a martyr. This is the last chapter and the last book that Paul would ever write. Mm-hmm. And in this, he says, I'm ready to die. And he says, I finished my course. Yes. I've kept the faith. I fought a good fight, he says first. And he says, henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. So he's saying, if I finish the course I've got, I stay faithful to the Lord doing my course, not your course. I got one. Mm-hmm. I got one. You got one. Every believer has got a course, a plan God's got for their lives. It doesn't mean it's a roadmap, but if you ever get off of it, you've lost it. It means that you got to keep get, get working, coming back, following the shepherd. The shepherd yes. will keep moving in the direction he wants you to go. So as long as you come back and, and keep following him. So you want to finish it. Whatever it is God's got for you, I want you want to stay true to the end. Mm-hmm. Well, looking for the appearing or loving the appearing of Christ, puts, right at the end of that statement, sounds like he's saying... I'm, I've got. I'm, I've been on a long race, and I can see Jesus at the end of it. Mm. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing yes. him. Yes. So it's a picture of somebody finishing their course well, mm-hmm. keeping the faith. So to me, that's what the loving appearing is about. It's, a, it's Christ is, 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 is coming back. I'm looking forward to his yes. appearing. And it, it overrides it, all of the other fears it, or concerns we might have. But the appearing, it's got to be. To me, twofold concept. One is appearing to him, which would be at his death. Mm-hmm. So his appearing, Christ appearing when he died, that's the end of his race. Yes, yes. It could be Christ appearing at the end of life now right, at the rapture right. of the church. So it's got to have a twofold application of it. It truly does, yes. But I think okay. that's what it's about. Mm, wow. We also have to consider God's character uh, when we consider the judgment seat of Christ, because we have uh, his promises, we have, we already know what he's done for us uh, uh, in, in anticipation of that moment of judgment. Uh, won't that remove any fear that we would have? Even if we, we know we fail, we know we fail daily. We pray that we would always be, you know, confessed up and and we and and that we are cleansed of all unrighteousness. But we know that that when we stand before Him, there are going to be things that we regret. But how much does His character come into play, and in how we should really anticipate that that stand before Him? Well, the, the character of God, one of the qualities of God is that he is absolutely holy and just. And another quality in balance of that, he is perfectly loving and graceful. So we have a relationship with a perfect, holy, righteous one of the universe. And he must be respected and feared in a, in a healthy, proper sense of fear of a holy God. We cannot take it for granted or take it flippantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is a, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. And I think that passage in Hebrews probably refers to the uh, uh, discipline in life, but it could very well appear have re- some reference to the judgment seat of Christ. And, and th- it has reference to somebody who says, I don't care. Mm, yeah. I don't care about God. I don't, I've trusted him. He gave me salvation. Thank you. Now, I'm going to do my own thing my way. Wow. And, they, and you turn your back on him, and you keep getting confronted by God over and over again and you keep taking steps and you keep pushing them away and keep pushing them away and it seems to me it's a fearful thing Mm -hmm. I can see that in my relationship with my father if I did if I treated him that way it'd be a fearful thing to have to come into his presence that I totally messed up 
if I if I make a mess of something and I come to him, yeah. it, there's a respect, but I'm, I'm running to him in love. Mm-hmm. But if I've totally rejected his love over and over and over and over again, it seems to me that's a fearful thing to yes. bear the judgment seat of Christ. It's, Absolutely. If we keep it in the, in the context of, of a loving relationship of a father and a child, I think it can balance it. I mm-hmm. think you, you can you can deal with the rewards issue. You can deal with the uh, the righteous judgment of God and and having some kind of judgment at the end. So the character of God, you got you cannot water down one at the expense of the other. Right. Yes. He is a holy, just he's God. He's holy and just. And he's loving and he's gracious. Absolutely. Uh, in our closing moment, uh, you know, there was a period of my life. Uh, I was saved as a child, but mm-hmm. walked away from the Lord in my teen years and was away for a long time and did not live like a believer. Uh, but in God's amazing grace and mercy, he drew me back uh, some 31 years ago. And mm-hmm. I totally surrendered to him at that time. And I've never never turned back from him. I have so grieved and cried many, many tears over wasted years, Dr. Wall. But I've often wondered how Christ will weigh our past failures of, you know, decades past uh, if we have returned to him and made an attempt to finish well uh, is is any thoughts on what does he do with past failures that were that were decades ago? Well, first of all, he he cleanses us of all unrighteousness for sure. Uh, a couple of thoughts hit me. I can't say dogmatically, but sure. let me tell you what what hits me on this. There's a parable about uh, the I think it's one of the minor parable. You got these guys that show up for. Well, that's not the mind. It's a different one, but it's the it's the workers in the vineyard. He got he, he's got a, a master, and he has some workers, and he puts them to work at the beginning of the day, in the middle of the day, and later in the day. And they say, "Well, you gave the guy at the end of the day that only there for an hour the same thing we worked all day long for." Mm-hmm. And he says, "My it's my privilege. Yes, I do. I, you you cut the deal, right? And and I can do however I want to do with this thing. Jesus can do however he wants to do with it." Mm. Now he's got some basic principles, but I'll tell you there's something else going on here. strikes me. Um, I think that sometimes if a person messes up their life for a period of time, even after they're saved, they make, it, make, a, make a mess of their life, and then they, they catch on and they turn to the Lord, there's some things that happen during that time that if they follow the Lord, the Lord leverages into ministry. Yes. Yes, he does. And so it's almost like it overwhelms the losses. Mm. In other words, if you'll follow him, he'll take the mess-ups, he'll turn them into a blessing because he'll use them to impact the lives of people with the gospel and to see them grow spiritually. So in one sense, it, uh, it could, could, have been, could have been a total loss. But in another sense, God, God is gracious and extremely wise. He can turn them into something good. And that's kind of what a, a little bit of an application of Romans eight twenty eight in a sense. He can turn that into good as he wants to. He doesn't waste anything. He doesn't waste anything. Yeah. So uh, That's an it, encouraging word. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. And I'm sure there are many in the audience who, who uh, have experienced that time and, and wonder if all of those things will be brought up again. But 
Uh, when we've come to him, we've confessed and we said, Lord, I'm yours. You use all that mess for your glory. Yeah. Uh, then he, his he grace, leverages it. And he leverages it. I love that. Dr. Yeah. Wall, thank you again. You bet. Uh, we look forward to having you back next week. We're going to talk about the more positive side okay. uh, of reward. Good. So thanks for being with us again. Good. Thank you. Well, uh, we perhaps our discussion today has challenged you and you desire to know more. Well, we encourage you to learn more through these podcasts and also through courses offered at Grace School of Theology. Be sure to join us next week as we learn more about rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. Please invite friends and family to tune in as well and to listen to previous podcasts available in our archive. If you'd like to get a copy of Dr. Wall's book, Going for the Gold, you can connect to the link in our show notes on today's podcast. We've set up a couple of ways for you to communicate with us. You can email questions or comments to savinggrace at gsot.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at savinggracecast. Thanks for tuning in today. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.